right, we're good. Hey, Fit Pros, welcome back to the DTF podcast, Down to Fitness, where we turn personal trainers into fitness professionals. Very special episode today. We're your hosts, Dayton McPherson and Kyle Radoon. We will be talking about on today's episode, developing the youth athlete with one of my best friends, Cody Giampa, who is the head coach at Bay Path in Charlton, Massachusetts, head coach of football, sorry, head coach at Bay Path in Charleston, Massachusetts. So good morning, guys. Hey, Cody, what's going on? Hey, Kyle, welcome. Good morning, guys. Hey. Um, so with today's episode, we're just kind of going to throw around the idea of what it's like to train youth athletes and how it may be a little bit different than training gen pop, which I've done my whole 10 years of coaching, never really trained an athlete other than maybe once or twice. So this is a very foreign thing to me in how to train athletes. I'm just more looking to train people that want to get up off of their couch and not be in pain and stuff like that. So Cody's got a little bit more of experience with that youth athlete. So we're just going to jump right in, have Cody kind of introduce himself, how he got started, uh, you know, playing football. We played football together at Assumption College and then how he transferred that into kind of part of his career at Bay Path. So jump right in, Cody, introduce yourself for the folks out there. Yeah. Hi, uh, my name is Cody Jamba. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, training youth athletes is something that I am super passionate about. I've been doing it uh, since 2013 is when I started. Um, I got my first coaching job in 2013 right after we graduated and uh the, the coach there didn't want to do the weight room anymore because it is a huge i mean it, it's a huge time investment as both of you guys know and he i was the young guy on the staff and i had just come from college so i looked like i was in shape and he said it's good enough for me so he <laughs> kind of threw threw me in the weight room and it was it was a great experience though because he he the worst kind of guys are the ones who do that and then are constantly over your shoulder you know, he really let me kind of, he wanted nothing to do with it. He said, it's all you, as long as it's three times a week. I don't care what days, I don't care what times you do you. And it, it allowed me to kind of practice and experiment and, and work with kids. So it's been, it's been an awesome journey. And now I'm, you know, 2023. 20, so I've been doing this uh, for 10 years now in an official capacity. So it's been awesome. It's been exciting. So uh, if I can jump in, Cody, can you kind of talk about like your upbringing and how you get started in athletics and, and kind of how that morphed into you wanting to share that with the younger generation? Yeah, so I, my dad was a coach. Um, so I've been around sports. My earliest memories are high school football sidelines, which is either really cool or kind of sad, depending on how you want to <laughs> look at it. No, but it, I mean, I've been around sports my whole life. And so uh, my mom was a college athlete. My dad was a college athlete. So um, sports was always important in our house. Um, your brother, so, too. Your, your brother played sports. Yeah, my brother, my brother was a uh, played at Amherst College um, for football. So, yeah, we um, we came from a very athletic family. Um, and it, in a good way, like it wasn't one of those, like waking us up at 4am to push rocks or anything. It was just, you know, the importance of being part of a team, um, working with other people, that sort of thing. My first, my dad started taking me to the weight room when I was like, I want to say like 11 or 12, he would wake me, he coached at a, at a different high school and they would lift in the mornings. And so he would wake me up, especially during the summer, he would wake me up at, you know, five and we'd go to the weight room and the coach at that school was awesome. He would jump me right in. And um, that school used a really like uh, had a, had a very um, 
established program in the weight room. It wasn't, again, it wasn't just like a, Hey, show up. Here's the weight room. There's a coach here for two hours and uh, you know, do what you got to do. You know, he had, there was a whole program, what you're doing that day. And so I kind of got to see, I was really fortunate early on. I was around great coaches. I got to see what an efficient weight room looked like. And then, you know, I, I just kind of loved the weight room and I'm, I'm not a great athlete of my family. I'm probably the worst. Oh, the stop. But um, the weight room was always kind of where I found success. And I noticed it really early on. It was actually, it was in youth basketball of all things that I noticed like, Hey, you know, I kind of went from that chubby and, you know, chubby kind of awkward kid. And after about a year of lifting, suddenly I was a good athlete. And I, I don't know if I, I definitely didn't, you know, uh, purposefully connect the two but i somehow i connected it and then ever since then i've been in weight rooms and lifting and i think that i think that's probably the biggest reason why i want to i'm so you know i'm passionate about it now is that it that change happened in me and if i can get that you know if i can just open the door for other kids to kind of experience that i think that'd be pretty cool yeah i think you know one thing that is really uh interesting to me in your story is that you got to start in a really you know, well put together weight room, uh, youth athletics for a long time, we're avoiding the weight room. Um, it's been a few years now, but you used to still hear like, uh, youth athletes shouldn't be lifting weights. It'll stunt their growth. It'll damage their growth plates. I mean, yeah, growth, growth, plates. yeah, growth, plates. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Growth Stupid. yeah. Like, so how ridiculous, right? But it's been, I don't know, 30 years since people really pushed that. And I'm still hearing it in 2023. So yeah. The fact that you got started in a weight room like that, I think was really cool uh, and got you started on the right foot. But now, did you see any other athletics kind of avoiding the weight room or was this something that you just, you got in on the right side of things and ran with it? Yeah, I was, I've seen it. I mean, I've seen it even in my own experiences. When you deal with sometimes older coaches, they still have that weird, baseball coaches always are the ones who baffle me. And again, at, at Bay Path, we're really lucky. All the coaches have totally bought into the weight room. They allow their kids to lift on their off days. So this is not a reflection at where I work now, but <laughs> the baseball coaches always are the ones who baffle me. Cause it's like, what, I mean, were, they, were we not around for the steroid era? Like, what do we think that these guys did like that? They lifted weights and suddenly we're really good at baseball. You know uh, what I mean? So yeah, absolutely. There's a huge, you're absolutely right. There, there was a huge, I don't think there is as much anymore just because it's become so competitive now and, specialized that I don't think that really I'm sure it's still out there but you I don't run into it too much anymore yeah and I think uh of all the sports football was probably the one that didn't fall into that trap um but you're right uh baseball and definitely like the throwing sports or the swing sports you see a lot more of the injuries and people are avoiding weightlifting for whatever reason yeah so anyway so stunted Roger Clemens's career yeah right uh uh so because if we back up a little bit now, before you were got into coaching, uh, you mentioned your family history into like some of the exercise and the sports. Now you got into powerlifting, so your background right out of the gates was all about kind of lifting weights, building strength. And you had said something really important that uh, a lot of people kind of gloss over: is you were playing basketball, you introduced strength training to your life, and you found your athletic body. Um, a lot of times people have this notion that weight training will make me stiff or uh, less athletic. I perform less. But actually, we learn that uh, the proprioceptive adaptation of weightlifting is almost more important than anything else. Yeah. Um, 
being able to move your body through space is kind of the definition of sports. So, you know, you kind of touched on that, but I just wanted to highlight it a little bit. I think that's so cool that you became, you turned over your basketball career by introducing weightlifting. Right? Yeah, I was never good. I wanted, I was never good at basketball, but <laughs> I went from being the kid who was just sitting on, you know, like who was completely useless to something. Tripping over his feet. Off, right. yeah, you said awkward, right? So tripping over yeah. your feet, couldn't dribble. Exactly. I find that so often like in, in youth athletes, like, uh, so I want to ask both of you a question before I start talking about this. What is the youngest age that you would like to see somebody in a weight room doing a strength program? So I want to start with Cody first, but like that minimum age that you're like, yep, we can start doing strength training. Well, I think it, I think it depends. I think like, I mean, with, in terms of weights, the problem with young and I, I train mostly boys. So it's, uh, you know, young men is they don't have, and I'm sure Kyle could expand on the science of it or not. I'm kind of like a Neanderthal who just goes through it. But like, I would like to see, you know, as early as they can start taking direction, put mm. a broomstick on their back and start learning how to yeah. squat and learning how to open their their hips and learning how to, you know, push something away in a singular plane, learning how to pick something up without looking like a candy cane. Like I look at my older son, Wyatt, his squat is unbelievable. Like when Babies he wants to have the best squats, man. When he wants to pick something up, he's, he's I mean, his feet are rooted, his heel, it weights on his heels. He squats down, he looks at it, you, you know, he's playing with it, and then he stands right back up. And somewhere along the way, kids lose that. So, mm. you know, and I don't think you need to push kids' weight because they're not going to develop, I don't think, you're not going to develop a lot of strength, but just keeping them in tune with how to move, how to move mm. properly, I think. As soon as they can take direction, I think you could get them in there and yeah. have them start moving around. Kyle? Um, right away. I mean, so Cody said it. It's as soon as they can hear what you're saying and do as you ask. Right. So maybe, you know, a matured five-year-old versus like, you know, an immature eight-year-old. Like, There's a big difference in yeah. like that style. But if you also have to remember when I talk about weightlifting, um, it's moving an external object. So that could be playing. I mean, throwing balls is considered weightlifting. So a lot of times when, no, I don't necessarily have to put a barbell on your back, but like box jumps is, yeah. you know, is a, an explosive strength training style movement. Um, and I'm having those kids basically doing that the second they can walk. Right. Um, now, if you look over at, you know, some of the greatest uh, Olympic weightlifters, uh, you know, over in Europe, you got six, seven, eight year olds uh, snatching and clean and jerking two, three, four times their body weight at, you know, a hundred kilos. And right. you got this 37 kilo child. I mean, it's, it's training, it's background, it's, you know, their willingness to learn yeah. and, you know, but I really don't have anything to expand on that. Cause you guys kind of hit the nail on the head. It's just movement. Like, that's what I want to see. Like, and the reason that I wanted to touch on this is because, and, and Cody can really explain this, is the, the difficulty with uh, parents sometimes and training youth athletes is, I've even seen it at some of our gyms where, you know, dad and mom think that they've got the next, you know, Cody said it, Roger Clemens, and he's going to pitch a thousand times like every couple of months and wants them to start weight training and kid can't even walk. He's got bow-legged feet. He drops down super, super fast when he squats. And it's like, this is not where we're starting. Uh, we we got to start <laughs> at the bare, bare minimum. Cody, do you have any, like, you know, I don't want to say stories or anything, but experience with uh, good good parents versus, you know, those pushy parents? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I also think the other thing is in terms of the weight room, you know, I, in terms of coaching the sport, yes. I mean, parents are um, more involved now than they've ever been. They feel more comfortable reaching out to coaches than they've ever, than they've ever, which is, you know, it's, it's good and bad. On the one hand, they're producing better athletes. You know sure. what I mean? And sports are important to them. And that's, that's awesome. You know, and I always try to look at it from the positive side. Like it's there, it's important to them and sports are important and they want to be successful. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the other thing is, and, and I've had this conversation with parents, their job is to be what you just said. Their job is to look at their kid and to see the next LeBron James, the next, you know, Barry Sanders, that's their job. And, you know, you want, for the most part, you want parents who are, who look at their kid like that. Now there's obvious, you know, issues when, when, you know, the next Barry Sanders hasn't played very much like that, that comes to a head sometimes, but I always try to look at it from a positive perspective where the parents, you want them to be the kid's biggest cheerleader. You want them to kind of and then, you know, we, you can, you try to foster that by getting them in the weight room and, and getting them, you know, if you want your kid to play, this is an important element to, to doing that. And and most parents, like I said, it, it's different now. Most parents are pretty on board with it. As long as you make it convenient for them, um, you're not having them, you know, drive their kid at four in the morning or eight o'clock at night. Like, you know, as long as you can make it convenient, most parents are pretty much on board with it. You always have those, those parents who are, who are tough, but again, if you from a from the coach's perspective, in my experience, it's made it a lot easier. If you just look, if you recognize, this is something I learned in college um, from a professor when we were talking about teaching. If you look at the parent as an advocate, as an advocate for the kid, and not as an enemy, mm-hmm. and sometimes again, as a coach, your my job is the team and getting all seventy kids to the same spot. That's not their job. Their job is to root for their kid specifically. And if you if you take that mindset to it, then the disagreements make sense. Because otherwise, you're going to be pulling your hair out as a coach. Like, how can you not understand that, you know, this is what's best for the team? You know, your kid's a great kid, but doesn't have the skills that we need to be successful. That's not their job. Their job's not to – they're invested for four years, and then they're gone forever. They don't have to worry about it anymore. So that's always the approach I've taken is that parents are an advocate for the kid – if you look at it that way, when you have those disagreements, it makes a lot more. It makes it a lot more palatable. Otherwise, you take everything personally, and it, it'll it'll drive you nuts. You won't be coaching very long. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty powerful. Uh, it changed in mindset, right? Is just how you look at it. Because I would have thought that yeah, it would have been a big pain in the butt. But when you look at it that way, as like the individual, you're right. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight for my kid anyway. So yeah, yeah of look. course. And look, in your invest. Uh, a kid comes to, to Bay Path, our school, that parent is invested for four years and then they're done, you know, and then it's just a, a picture on the wall or, a, you know, a, a reel on Instagram. And it's over. And then they're on to the next thing. My as a coach, your job, you have to be looking five years, six years, seven years down the road. How are we? Is this making us better? But if you just if you separate it and you look at them as advocates for the kid, it makes your life a whole lot easier. So, (laughs) yeah, right. Um, So, you know, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, methodologies and like some 
philosophies. And here we are just talking about like kind of behaviors of kids. So while we're on that topic, I, if we merge the last two things we just talked about with weight room and then kind of managing kids, I think, you know, I'd love to hear about kind of what a day in that weight room looks like uh, as far as your training goes. Cause I actually, I'm interested in your kind of off season training and your in season training. So if we start with off season, yep. um, you know, you got a bunch of kids. Now these are high school kids. So we're talking like, you know, 15 to 18, right? So they don't necessarily need you over their shoulder the whole time, but you're in the weight room and I'm sure there's some, you know, you, especially boys, they want to lift heavier. They're maybe a little sloppy. How do you manage that large group of kids? Do you have like a team of coaches or are you like trying to do it all by yourself? It's mostly me. Other, our, we, we're our, our coaching staff coaches other sports. So like one of my coaches is the head softball coach. One of my coaches is a baseball coach in town. Um, so they're all, they come in when they can. I, one of my coaches is the lacrosse coach. Um, so they come in when they can, but for the most part, it's just me. The, the key is, is structure, right? They don't have time. So we're very limited in, in the time that we have. Uh, our school day ends at 2.30 and our late bus leaves at 3.30. So that, that thing is down the hill at 3.30. And when I started, it was, well, we'll keep kids, you know, kids will have to get a ride home. It'll be no different than a sport. It's very different than a sport because they don't look at it like a sport. They look at it as this is an extra thing I'm doing. Um, they don't always understand that this is getting me better. And our numbers were terrible when I started. And then you know, it's gotten better because I've, you got to make it convenient. We're done at, we're done at 320. So they got to leave their class at 230. They warm up. I give them, they have 10 minutes because that's the, you know, I, and again, this is through years of chipping away at stuff, taking a minute off here, a minute off there. They are, you know, they warm up the warm up. It takes from 240 to 245. From 245 to 250, they do an agility drill. We do the dot drill. I'm not yep. sure if either of you are yep. familiar with dot, that. Dot mats, yep. Yep, so we do the dot drill. Um, that's and actually, time. Any trainers listening that might not know it, um, you want to go yep. explain that yep. a little bit? So it looks like if you've ever seen a uh, dice, the five, so you have the yep. two, one, two, yep. and they have to do, when I say go, they have to do, it's all in sets of six, so... They start with their feet on the dots and they jump to the middle, jump to the end, jump to the middle, jump back. That's one. So that six times, one foot, uh, yep. right foot, left foot, two feet, and then they jump and then spin. Yep. Um, That's pretty standard across like at least very, football players. Like very, I did it in high school. I know Cody yeah. probably did it in high school. It's 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 very, very common. Yeah. I nice little dynamic nothing. little warm-up. Yeah. yeah, I've invented nothing. All of this is stuff I've seen, I've stolen, I've grabbed from other people. Um, best coaches all... are the best thief. Yeah, it's going to quote you on that one, Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just steal stuff and people are like, wow, this is so great. And it's like, thanks. I didn't come up with any of it. It doubles, though, as a it doubles as part of their warm up. We don't have a lot of time to warm up and we don't do any static stretching anymore at all because mm -hmm. it's just they can't do it. It's I we've had we don't do it in football either. We've gotten rid of it. We our guys, they do their dynamic warm up and then they go to their position drills. They don't yep. we don't do that the jumping jacks then right foot left foot we go where it's all dynamic now and yeah. so the dot drill kind of doubles as a dynamic warm-up and the goal for all of our kids we have a record which is 43 seconds and then we have what I, a time max which is a minute so when they're new we give them as much time as they want to try to figure it out and it's the kids jobs to coach the kids i'm there 
I float around, but our captains coach the kids. That's so awesome. they're the, so they go first. The the older group goes first. I think we have like we have like 12 of them painted on the floor. So the older group goes first. So that's 12 kids going. When they're done, the younger kids go. And the older kids, they don't leave. They just turn around and they coach the younger kids. So I can walk around and be like, do this, do this. But I get on the older kids more. I'm like, why are you letting him? He's not touching that front dot. That was only five. Why did you let him only do five? You put, you just keep pushing everything back on the kids. You don't, you don't do anything. You let them do it. I, it's can, all can, can we, can we pause for a second? Yeah. Cause I want to, I want to talk about that for a second. Like, yeah. What a great way to empower a team. I mean, right. Kyle and I are in, in like a different part of the industry now where we're leaders and I love that. And it's like, if you're hosting, like, you know, Kyle and I doing a meeting for our teams and like, I just do the whole meeting. What a great way to like have my, you know, team members come up and participate and give ideas and things like that. And, and that's what Cody's talking about is empower your people. And then it works because Cody won state championship last year. Yeah. Well, the thing is too, is leadership is not... I think leadership is 50% an innate skill that people have, but mm -hmm. it's also, it's not one of the things that I really wanted to change when I became a head coach is I hate that your captains are the guys who lead stretches and go call the coin toss. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that doesn't make any sense. If I want, if I want to be strategic about the coin toss, I'm just going to find the luckiest kid and have him do it every time. I don't need four guys. They don't Shit. talk to me. And it's like, I don't know if, if you've ever, I mean, Dan, I know you've seen, um, a high school Kyle, did you play? Have you been around? You've been around yeah. football. Yeah, football. It's not like the refs say, What do you want? And the four kids talk to each other and go, We want heads this time or tails this time. What do you think? Like one kid is the kid who talks, the other like kids, tails. right? And we go, Right. I think we usually go tails because it never fails, which is shockingly not. It's mostly half, it fails half the time. <laughs> half yeah. the time. Yeah. It's about 50%. Yeah. But um, that's not leadership. You know what I mean? And that causes a lot of, and ki kids, high school boys are hyper sensitive to status. Mm -hmm. So if you've got that one kid who's just not a leader, but he gets to go out for the coin toss every day, that, that matters and that causes problems. And so to me, leadership is a skill that you have to teach and you have to get kids because the other thing is high school boys do not like telling each other what to do. They don't like getting on each other. They don't ever like being disliked by each other. And so you got to teach those kids like, hey, you got to hold them accountable. So you start with the younger kids, right? Because they don't care. Um, you know, a freshman is screwing up the dot drill. This junior is going to tell them that's not right. But that confidence to tell a kid, hey, that's not right. Because a yep. kid, you tell the, you know, in the, in the kid's mind, he's going to say that's not right. He's thinking of all the possibilities that kid could look at him and say, well, why don't you do something about it? Right. All the way from the kid ignoring him. But what they don't realize is if you say, hey, hit that dot, they're just going to hit the dot. It's low. Um, it's a low consequence. But you're you got to teach kids to be leaders. And I look at the weight room as a great opportunity to do that. All right, so let's go back to talking. Sorry, I want I want to touch on that because that was no, I'll that's talk. Good. I love, that's a good I, one. Yeah, that's great. This is like my favorite thing I do, the weight room. So that's it's awesome. I'll talk about this stuff forever. Yeah. So let's go back to talking about after you guys do your your, your dot mat and you know they're doing their warm up. So where do you go from there after that in your uh, weight room sessions, Cody? Yep. So from there, we all the kids are done. I give them a quick little spiel about uh, something we need to get better at or something I've noticed or it could just be what we're doing today. 
It doesn't, it doesn't matter. But just something quick. And then I count off by three. So group one, group two, group three. And it depends on the day, but group one is always the main movement. So our, our training is based around a squat, a push, and a pull. We do, one, we do all three of those every day. The main movements for those are obviously the squat, the bench, and the deadlift. So on Monday, for example, group one is squat. So I go down the list, group one, group two, group three, group one, group two, group three. And from there, you know, group two might be the push, group three might be the pull. You know, and those are your auxiliary movements, which your squat movement, whatever group one is, that's the only one we record. The other ones are just, honestly, they're just trying to get a pump. We're trying to build as much muscle as possible with them. Um, so then they go from there, they have 10 minutes to do their sets. So if they're in group one, it's three sets of either eight is week one, five is week two, three is week three, four is 10, eight, six, and then we start all over again. Hmm. So that's group one. That group needs to record what their final set was because that's going to affect their rep records. And they're always trying to break a rep record all the time. I got this from the old uh, the BFS. Yeah, bigger, faster, so stronger. Yeah, They're trying to break a rep record all the time. So they never go in like, oh, what do I feel like today? I feel strong. But they look at, okay, my rep record for eight is 225. So I need to get at least 230 for eight. My rep record for what they, so they're always trying to break a record. And every sure. day they need to break a record, even yeah. if it's two. And, and I, I drag them kicking and screaming, learning the magic of two and a halfs, right? Because they want to throw the fives on they want to throw 25s on they want to like when i was in high school it was either 45s or 25s that's what we worked with that's it baby these kids i, I only know one math 135 225 315 baby right i teach them the magic of the two and a halfs you throw yeah. on a two and a half it seems easy you do it for 12 because that last set's unlimited if you can do it for 12 do it for 12 if you can do it for 50 you probably picked a lighter weight but hey yeah. you broke a record and that's what's important it's kind of like the other Wendler's, right? Kind of like yeah. So I got that yeah. from Wendler. Yeah, yeah. I got that from Wendler. Yeah. Yeah. So Wendler's Wendler's a big one there. And then as I hear you talking, I just hear Louis Simmons in the background. You got to break a record. You got right. hundreds of records, right? He, he always talked about rep records. Um, right. Yeah. And we didn't talk about. We talked a little bit about like you doing powerlifting, but we didn't go into like your history or career as a powerlifter. But right. this is something that. Uh, the uh, the you know the Soviet Union back in the day the the conjugate method adopted by you know Westside Barbell here in the states breaks you know breaks all the powerlifting records uh, that's what they talk about is these rep records these dynamic efforts these max effort lifts and that's what you're doing is you're picking that compound and then filling the rest with bodybuilding exercises you even said it the pump exercises right yeah. so. I mean your your programming is just getting me excited and if anyone listened to the episode before this we did. Uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago we did uh, programming 101 and I get yeah. jazzed up about yeah. exercise Kyle, programming. Kyle so programming. like, oh dear, yeah. I love it. I love it. Well, it's, in, I mean, muscle moves weight, right? Yeah. So you're not going to, I mean, and these kids are the thing. And here's the thing about training youth athletes. It's really, really hard to screw up. Like it's really hard to screw up. You can, I've seen terrible coaches who get unbelievable results by having the kids max out every day. You know what I mean? Because these do you, do you max out ever? Never, ever, never. No one rep maxes ever. No, we never, we never go below three. If a kid fail, so on the and my least favorite week is that three week because they 
Well, I got two and they don't count. And so what I tell the kids is if, if you fail below the number, you don't get the rep record. You failed that day. And a lot of, and it depends on my mood. Sometimes I kick them out. If they fail, I'm just going to, they're all done. They can spot, they can load, but they're all done lifting that day because they're just not in the right mindset to get better. That's what we tell them. Like, you're just not one rep, Matt. And I, I explain this to these kids a million times. Also with the understanding that they're going to go to a gym and max out because I hear those stories all the time. And that's awesome. But I, I look at that as a positive because you, know you know what that kid just did? He went to a gym on his own. Yeah. You know what getting, I mean? So like we, either way we won. And I tell them, you know, because they'll come to me and go, coach, you know, I just, I just deadlifted, you know, 450. And I'm like, for how many? And they'll say, well, one. And I go, oh, that's good, I guess. You know, that's fine. But, and I remember dance with the girl that got you there. You know, like, don't, don't max out all the time. Like, you know. But again, that's a good one. That was a great. I've never I, I've heard, never that, heard that, Cody. <laughs> well, it's, it, well it's, just like, it's, it's just like adults, and this is something I saw in my powerlifting career, right? Like you have these people who make these unbelievable gains doing whatever program. They do a powerlifting meet, and then what's the first thing they do? They try to find well, what's another program, right? Maybe I'll do five three one. Maybe I'll do the cube. Maybe I'll do. I don't even know if the cube's a thing anymore. But maybe I'll do conjugate. Maybe I'll do this. I'll hire this coach. Just keep doing what you did. You're getting better. You know, you just yeah. keep doing what you did. And if you come to a point where we really plateau, we can change some stuff up. But again, with high school athletes, if they're not maxing out, they'll. I have kids who've gone through now four years. They never plateau ever. They broke records every single week. And that's the key. Because the other thing is that builds confidence in them. Even if they're having a terrible day, they broke a record so they can see that, Hey, I got a little bit better today. Cause as soon as they don't see that they're done, they're not gonna, you're always competing against something that's way more uh, appetizing to them than the weight room. Yeah. So as soon as they stop making those, that progress, it's really hard to get that kid to come back. Yeah. It's about those small victories. We, we talk about it all the time as being personal trainers. Like someone comes into you and they're looking to lose 100 pounds, 200 pounds. You don't tell them like, we're going to lose 100 pounds by this date. At least I don't. What I do is like, okay, you've never been to a gym before. We're just going to learn how to move. There's right. your first yeah. victory. You walk through the door. There's your second victory. Oh, you didn't drink alcohol every say, single day this week. There's your third victory. Then you get to that 100. Cody's laughing over there. Uh, <laughs> then, then you get to that losing 100, 200 pounds. And in Cody's instance, you get those small uh, you know, victories in the weight room, which lead to victories on the field, which led to him and his team winning a state championship. So it obviously works. Yeah, and the thing is, too, is – you got to get kids off of the end goal. Like you just said, a hundred pounds. That's so far away. You know yeah. what I mean? That is so, and that, I mean, that's, that was a, a mindset that we changed this year that, that was pretty successful. And we changed it like in the middle of the year. Um, and it really worked for us is that process. It's from Nick Saban again, not yeah. my own thing, but it's that process oriented thinking. You stop, you got to get your eye off the goal. You know where you want to end up. You know the path to get there. Now focus on the path. So, again, we want to win football games. Yep. It's April. We're not <laughs> playing a game, right? You know what I mean? There's no yeah. game to play. We're not playing yep. a game right now. So we can be worried about what our week one opponent's doing, and we can focus on – or we can – what can I do right now to get better? And then that's the weight room. How can I get a little bit better? To your point about the 100 pounds, that's an enormous – 
that's hard. Yeah. And especially for someone who hasn't done it, they lose 10 pounds. That's huge. They're going to feel better. They're going to look better. If they're focused on the 100 pounds, well, now, you know, you have 90% of the way to go. You're going to feel like garbage, even though you've come mm -hmm. so far at, yeah. with just 10 pounds. Yeah. It's all about that consistency. And it sounds like that's one thing that Cody really preaches to his kids and, and youth athletes is just be consistent. And don't be that program hopper and don't go do this because it didn't work within the first three weeks. Like just show up to the weight room. And it sounds like you're only doing three exercises when you're in there. Do those three exercises. Check three. it off. your Yeah. Check it off your list. Did you get better today? If the answer is yes, you'll get better on the field. Absolutely. Yeah. We do three a day. So they have... 10 minutes of station. Um, so I hate the word station, but it's the only one I have for it. Yeah. So they have 10 minutes to squat, right? And we have, we've spent a ton of time and money and fundraising the past few years, building up our weight room. So there's room for everyone to squat. They have 10 minutes. At the end of that 10 minutes, they're on to the next thing. We rotate group one to two, two to three, three to one. And that's it. They don't get to go back. So that's the other thing is like, we're also building in conditioning too. That's and great. we're building in communication. They have to talk. When one kid reps it, racks it, the next kid's saying, I need, you know, 275. And then the other kid, hey, that's two plates in a, in a 25. Yeah. They're all talking. And he unracks it. Because yep. for the main sets, it's three. For the assistance work, it's eight sets of 12. One, one de descends, one ascends. So it's 12, 10. It's 12, 10, 8, 6. And then yep. 6, 8. 10, 12. Um, and those are just, again, we're building as much muscle as possible, but sure. they got to work. They got to move. They got to, and then we finish at the end of that 30 minutes, we rack everything up. They all rack stuff away together. And then we do some kind of a fourth quarter drill set that lasts like two, two, three minutes. So it might be um, like, we'll do a plank, but they don't know when it's going to end. Oh, jeez. Right. And it's never long. It's never more because we don't have the time. You know, we don't. I'd love to have them go do some crazy op. We just don't. We got to get them out at 3.30. That bus is gone at 3.30. Yep. So we'll have them do a leg lift. They don't. And I add stupid stuff all the time. I'll see something like well, the other week. Um, I had them all grab. We just got all these new, like those um, really small, colorful dumbbells. Yeah. It's like 10 pounds and under. They yeah. all had to grab two matching ones. They had to do a leg lift and hold their arms up. And just hold it. Just hold it. Yeah, and then again, I tell them it's accountability. Like, you're just – all you were asking you to do is control your body for a minute, two minutes, 30 seconds. And yep. I tell them, look around. Look who's got their legs down. That kid will quit on you. That kid will quit on you. And nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to put their legs yeah. down. Nobody wants to be that kid. And they'll look around, too. They're looking to see – who's going to quit. Who, then that's another way of them keeping each other accountable too. I, I love isometrics in youth athletes because if I can get a group of people, uh, and you said it perfectly, is that you get them in an isometric hold and then no one wants to be the first one to let go. So they mm -hmm. put forth actual max effort with no real chance of injury, yep. right? So right. you get a maximal effort. They are turned in funny colors, veins popping out of their heads. They're squeezing like crazy. That CNS is firing up. They're teaching themselves how to really go right. without moving, without right. being a whole room of kids. And you don't have to worry about, you know, someone getting crumbled by a 400 pound back squat. Right. So <laughs> I, other, I love that, thing, man. The other thing, too, is the kids who win surprise you. So every once in a while, I'll make it competitive. I'll go, once you're done, you're done. You quit. You're done today. 
right? And so, and again, this only works if they're having success in the weight room. Because again, if you have that kid, like, I think a lot of us forget what it's like to be a, a teenager and how devastating one little seemingly insignificant thing could be. Like I remember when I was in high school, we did five, three, one, right? So you worked for four weeks or five weeks, I think it was five weeks to get that one rep max. If you missed it, that killed you. So now you miss that way. And now you're the first guy to quit in the thing. It's like, well, that kid might not come back. You know, like, yeah. see, and, that, and that's the thing. That kid might not come back ever because he now associates that with failure. But what's cool about it, about that last thing, is the kids who win always surprise you because it's never, you know, sometimes it's the captain stud, you know, two-way player. Sometimes it's the freshman who didn't know, like, what a second down meant two months ago. Like, sometimes it's the kid who, you know, the, the offensive lineman who's really out of shape and who just, like, can barely breathe walking up and down the stairs. You're always surprised by what kid wins, and that gives those kids – that kid just beat his whole team. That gives that kid a tremendous amount of confidence to come back and keep working hard. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, right? Co Cody's uh, got this thing figured out, man. Yeah, man. Uh, no, I spent great. a lot of time. This is, I, again, I really like this, and I saw the impact it had on me. And, the I mean, it's inarguable what it can do to your program. If you're not every, – everybody's doing weightlifting. So you got to be better at it than everybody else, right? Mm -hmm. So – that's something I think we I, we're constantly tinkering with things, constantly changing things, constantly going. Can we do this a better way? Um, nice. So I, I have a I have a quick question. Um, is this a requirement that you have, Cody? Are they required to go to the weight room or how, how, do, how do you? Yeah. Because see, it's, same thing with us. It wasn't required. In, in Massachusetts, it's not. I mean, we not only can it not be a requirement, but it's not sport specific. I can't say this is the football weight room. It's open to everybody. I use it as a recruiting tool um, and it's worked in the past. I'll have kids who are like, I I'm interested in lifting and they'll come. And then I just, when we're in there, I talk about football and they kind of just, one of our, one of our kids this year, he's going to, I think, I don't know where he's going yet. So I don't want to say it, but he, um, he was a starter. He, he just started lifting his freshman year. Then he started playing sophomore year and he started for us at running back this year. He turned out to be a pretty you know, important player for us. So mm -hmm. I use it as a recruiting tool, but yeah. we can't force kids to go. No. Yeah. Just interested. Cause same thing with mine too. Yeah. Um, um so, God. yeah, so that's uh you know, so you got the weight room uh, and that's more of like your off season program style. What does, so now that you said that starts in like April, like now ish you're doing that. Uh, what we, is, we start the weight room. I give them a week off two weeks at the end of the season. And then we jump right into it. Damn. And so how long does that season go for? The football uh, season? Your weightlifting season. Your off season, I guess. From December to August. Okay, cool. Straight through. So when do you get back out in the field, uh, start doing like sports-specific drills, or where do you go from the weight room? So when we like once we start football, we're doing all football stuff. Um, we have to do – next season, I'd like to do a much better job of, of working um, an in-season twice a week uh thing again it's tough for us because our kids um we're a technical school so our kids come from so many different places and they got to go to so many different places so it's tough to ask kids to stay after and then in the season too it's like you only have so much time to practice the sport you don't want to it's tough to balance like okay now go in the weight room but we we've come up with this off season we've come up with that off season program i sent to you guys um that i think is has been pretty good and the other coaches the in-season coaches right now, so our baseball coach, lacrosse coach, 
Um, they've let me, our track coach, they let me, you know, ex not experiment, but like try this program out with their kids. Um, and it's been working pretty well. So I think this is that the in-season program is what we're going to do next season. Cool. 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 Um, yeah. So what, uh, when it comes to like sport specific drills, what kind of stuff are you doing on the field? Like what's practice like, uh, in season? All right. So practice, we start at, uh, so school ends at 2.30. Um, kids have to be on the field at – they know we're going to – practice starts at 3, but we start at anywhere between 2.50 and 3. So really, whenever I feel like the our pre-practice is just spinning its wheels, we start practice. Um, and pre-practice for us is – it's just a walkthrough. Because different kids get out there at different times. We have kids coming from co-op, uh, which for us means their job, not another school. Um, so they're coming in like our starting quarterback this year was a plumber. So he, he's working as a plumber all day. He gets up to the school. He's got to change and come down to the field. Our receiver was an electrician. So same thing. Um, so you got younger kids in that walk through, walking through what they do. Then we go, it depends on the day. Then we go, they warm up. We either do a, and again, our warm up is all dynamic. They finish that. Then we'll either do a conditioning circuit, and it's all football specific, so lateral movement, whatever. And they're in, in each station two minutes or a tackling circuit. From there, we'll do you know indie group team. Yep. And then indie group team, the other side of the ball, find a place to put special teams in there somewhere, and then that's that's pretty that's a a pretty standard practice for us. Two hours or so, Cody. Only we ever we stop at five. Yeah. So that's one of the things that I'm pretty strict on. We practice for two hours and then we're done. We don't go over the two hour yeah. mark. Um, You're not one of those coaches that say like, oh, we're going to stay until you get this right. I don't care if there are no lights out here. Yeah, when so the here's the issue off. with that. That's not a game. Again, everything I do in practice and practice, I look at the same way as a weight room. I'm always tinkering and looking at philosophically, why are we doing this? And what's the point of doing this? And it probably drives my assistant coaches nuts because we, very rarely do the exact same thing over and over again. You're always looking for how can we get better um, during the off season, like spring during the springtime, I go watch a bunch of colleges, see how they're doing stuff, understanding that we can't do everything they do. They meet uh, before and after practice. We don't. Right. So we have to explain and do things as we, as we practice, but we're always like the whole, we're going to stay and get this till we get it right. Isn't that's not how a game works, right? If you don't have, a whistle that I can blow during a game and say, run it again, do it right. Like they have to feel some kind of a pressure to get it right as they're doing it. And if they don't get it right, then it's on the coaches to pull that kid out, explain to them how, what you did wrong, and then get that kid back in while the rest of the team, because you, I mean, you both know we're going to do this till we get it right. Usually means you're asking one kid who typically doesn't know what he's doing to do something that maybe physically he's incapable of doing. So I look at that more as a, okay, if that, if our scout team is killing this play, I work on the offensive side of the ball more. So that's, but I look at if the scout team's killing this play, the varsity team that we're playing on Friday is going to also kill this play. That kid who just looked at a card for two seconds and who is wearing somebody else's pants and whose helmet doesn't fit just blew up this play. 
the kid who we're playing on Friday, who's been working for this all week, he's also going to blow up this play. So now is that an issue in what we're teaching? Are we not teaching this correctly? Are we not teaching this as effectively as we could? Are we not providing the kid with enough opportunity to get better at the skill that we're asking? Or are we just asking the kid to do something that he's incapable of doing, in which case we have to do something different? So talking about leadership again, Cody, you're not putting it on the kids. It's more of a self-reflection on you and your coaching staff. Are we not doing something correctly to put these kids at the best capacity that they're able to be at? Right. Well, it comes down to control what you can control, right? I can't control what a kid does. That's out of my control. I can't, I can teach him. I can explain it to him. I can walk him through it, but I can't control if he can't pull and trap. I can't control if he can't, you know what I mean? So, and we're in a good situation where we have other kids. So maybe we need to put another kid in there. Right. And that goes back to that whole, what's best for the team is not always best for the individual. Like maybe there's another kid, but again, that's on the coach. I need to put a different kid in there. I'm asking the kid right. to do something he can't do. So we're always, I always try to focus on what can I do? Cause then you fall into that. And, and look, coaching, being around other coaches, there's a lot of the whole, throw your hands up. These kids are terrible today. I don't, these kids are awful, but like you can't control that. Right. You know what I mean? So you're, I always try to look at it from a perspective of what can I do? What can our coaches do to be better instead of just saying, well, this kid can't do this. So what are we going to do? I like that a lot. So uh, I, I think this is a good spot to wrap it up. I mean, that, that was very well said, Cody. Um, you know, me and Kyle really appreciate you coming on the podcast. This was very different for us and having this conversation i feel like us talking about you know training youth athletes really turned into more about being a, a leader and being like a, a role model for them and and putting a lot into these kids but then having them put a lot into each other too which is really cool to see and that and that's what makes a team that's why we all played sports that's what i really loved about it like i said before cody and i met one another on the football field it was my best man at my wedding and I really appreciate you coming on, Cody. Uh, Kyle, you have anything you want to add? No, the only thing, uh, no, that's it. You, uh, <laughs> you you knocked that one out of the park. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, thanks for having me on. This was fun. Absolutely, man. We'll, we'll have to come up with some more topics and get you back and, and get you talking about some other stuff here. Maybe, so. maybe, uh, maybe we'll have you come back on so we can talk all things powerlifting and just you know, straight up powerlifting. Lift heavy stuff. <laughs> lift, lift yeah. heavy. Lift heavy, eat a lot, right, Cody? You don't have to twist my arm to talk. So that's <laughs> I like this episode because Kyle and I didn't have to talk very much. <laughs> so yeah. it was great. All right, everybody, we're going to wrap this one up. So thank you very much for checking out the DTF podcast, Down to Fitness. I'm Dayton McPherson. That's Kyle Radoon. Big shout out to Cody Giampa for jumping on the podcast today. We will see everybody later. Have a great week. Thanks, Cody. Thanks, guys.